Romans chapter number 14. This morning, I'm going to begin a new Sunday morning series. And the Sunday morning series is entitled One Another, One Another. And the series is going to be about how we as Christians interact with each other. Okay. The first message, this is the first message of that series. And uh, we're going to read our scripture in just a second. And then I'll tell you the title of what our scripture is, of what our sermon is this morning. This is the first in a series called One Another. Let's look at verse number 17 and we'll read through verse number 23 of Romans chapter 14. The Bible says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that hath these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and the things wherewith one may edify another. For meat destroyeth not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. It is good neither to eat flesh, nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth, or is offended, or is made weak. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in the thing which he alloweth. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin." The title of my message this morning is Edify One Another. Edify One Another. Let's pray one last time. Your gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray for this message. I pray for this sermon series we're beginning today. Lord, I pray that it help us grow as Christians and help us come closer together, that we may grow and mature and, and, and be the kind of Christians and be the kind of church that you would have us to be. Thank you for everything you've done for us today. Be with the service this morning. In Jesus Christ's precious name I pray. Amen. Now let's talk about the word edify. Edify means to, to help someone. Edify means to encourage someone. Edify means to build someone up. Now I can guarantee you if I asked you right now, you could probably think of someone in your life who has helped you. You can think of someone in your life who has built you up. You can think of someone in your life who has done something to you to help you, to build you up, to make you a better person. You, would, you could think of someone right now who, would, who, who helped you to be where you are today, where you can say, hey, I wouldn't have what I have today if it wasn't for this person. I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for this person. I have what I have today because so-and-so in my life helped me and because so-and-so in my life built me up. They had a choice to tear me down, but instead they built me up. You can think of someone in your life right now like that. Now, for those of you who, who know me, who've been here any length of time, you know I love Charlie Brown. Uh, I love Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown's one of my favorite uh, comic strips, favorite cartoons. I relate a lot to Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown's dad was a barber. My dad is a barber. Uh, uh, Charlie Brown was kind of a loner and I, you know, kind of the butt of everybody's joke and I felt like that when I was a kid. So I related a lot to Charlie Brown. Interesting, ironically enough, he was a bald kid whose dad was a barber. 
And, uh, you know, it was probably, he was probably bald because his dad cut his hair so short, like my dad cut my hair so short. My wife laughs because she knows it's true. And uh, so, uh, so uh, I, I relate a lot. And if you read those comic strips, sometimes you'll see Lucy's uh, psychiatrist booth. And you go sit at Lucy's uh, psychiatrist booth, and for five minutes, you get, get her, her psychiatric professional advice. And let me tell you, it wasn't always edifying. Uh, one time, Charlie Brown was sitting there at the booth, and he looked over at Lucy and said, uh, Lucy, I'm just so depressed, and uh, I, I'm just depressed, and uh, I feel sad all the time. And, and Lucy said, I can help you with that. Come here, Charlie Brown. And Charlie Brown uh, leaned into Lucy, and then she yelled, snap out of it. And then Charlie Brown jumped upside down and, 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 and jumped off the thing. And, well, that wasn't very edifying there. It wasn't very, uh, wasn't very helpful to Charlie Brown. What we want to do is we want to help each other. We want to edify each other. We want to build each other up. Now, this letter is written to the church in Rome. The church in Rome was, was uh, unique at the time because the church was half Jewish and the church was half Gentile. So you had these people who were brought together, who were raised up different. Of course, the Jews, they were raised up in a religious household, uh, so they understood the form of religion, and they understood what going to church meant and how you should act in church. And so they were, they were familiar with that, and they got saved, and they became Christians, and they became a part of the church in Rome. And the other half is you have the Gentiles. The Gentiles weren't raised in church. The Gentiles uh, had never had any kind of form of religion. All they had, if anything, were worshiping idols. And so the, 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 the Gentiles came to the church not having a religious background. But that's the beauty of a church. A church brings people together. A church brings people together with, with different backgrounds and, 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 and different levels of maturity. And that's fine. And that's what a church is. But the thing is, is when you have a church like this with kind of two opposing sides and you got a church with, with two sides that are so different, every once in a while uh, you, 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 you can have some issues. There is one issue that Paul mentioned a couple of times in Scripture. And this issue was this. Gen the Gentiles in this church did not have a problem eating meat that was offered to idols. They did not have a problem with it. See, what would happen is, is these idol worshipers would sacrifice this meat and would, would sacrifice certain amounts of this meat to idols, and whatever wasn't used, but it was still offered to the idols, would be sold for a cheaper rate. So they could go down to the salvage store on the weekend, and they could get, uh, they could get half off, buy, BOGO, buy one, get one, and uh, they could save some money. And, and, and in their mind, they're thinking, hey, we didn't offer this to idols. These idols are dead anyway. These idols are just pieces of wood. They don't mean anything. So uh, it's not like if we buy this meat, it means we don't love our God. We're just getting a good deal, trying to save some money. So they would go and they would buy this meat that was offered to idols. Now the Jews, on the other hand, the Jews were absolutely repulsed by this. Because of the Jews, uh, the Jews' background in religion, their background in tradition, they saw this as an offense 
to the Lord Jesus Christ. They saw this as this is bad, this is wrong, we shouldn't do this, okay? So the Jews had a choice. The Jews looked at the Gentiles who were buying this meat and they disagreed and thought that it was wrong. The Jews had a choice to make. And the choice the Jews had to make was, I can either be destructive to them right now or I can be edifying to them. I don't agree with what they're doing, but I have a choice. I can either say something that's going to help them and try to grow them and try to build them up or I can criticize them and I can judge them and I can tear them down. I can either give them death or I can give them life out of my mouth. And that's the choice the Jews had. They could have either built up their brethren and edified their brethren and try to help their brethren or they can be destructive and criticize and judge and tear down. On the flip side of that, the, the Gentiles had a choice too. The Gentiles were encouraged to limit their liberty as to not be offensive to the brethren, to, to the Jews. Basically what that means is they were saying, okay, I have liberty through Jesus Christ. There's nothing in the Bible that says that I can't eat this meat. It's just meat. But my Jewish brethren over there, they think that they, they prefer not this. They think this is wrong. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to limit my liberty. I'm not going to buy this meat. I'm not going to let them know I did it. I'm not, I'm not, you know, not going to buy it because I don't want to offend them. I can go without it. It's just meat. But, you know, even though it's a good deal, if it's going to hurt sister so-and-so over there, it's okay. I'll go buy my meat somewhere else. So you have two sides of this. You have both sides trying not to offend the other side. And instead of being criticizing, instead of being judgmental, instead of trying to tear each other down, both these sides are trying to build each other up. And this is a picture of spiritual maturity. It's a picture of a spiritually mature Christian. Hey, you see, either will either bring harm to the church or they will bring harmony to the church. I don't want to bring harm to the church. I want to be on the side that brings harmony to the church. And you're going to do that depending on your spiritual maturity level. Let me tell you what God is calling me and you to do today. God is calling me and you to build each other up, not to tear each other down. I might do something that you don't agree with, but then you have a choice to make. You have a choice. Are you going to be? Are you going to? Uh, are you going to uh, be destructive to me? Or are you going to edify me? Are you going to try to build me up? Or are you going to try and tear me down? See, it's not the point for us to all get offended at each other and harm each other. It's the point that that even though uh, some things might come up, we're still in harmony. We're still on the same page. We're still of one accord. God is calling us to build one another up. What I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to show you some things that will make you an edifier in the church. These things will make you build people up and become an edifier in the church of God this morning. Here's the first one. Number one, you must have a passion for edification. You must have a passion for edification. What does that mean? That means that you, 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 you're, you're not living for self. We need to get in this thing that I, I don't live just for myself. In fact, I don't care about my needs. I only care about the needs of others. 
Husbands shouldn't care about his needs. His husband should care about the needs of his wife and the needs of his children. Same with the wife. The wife shouldn't care about her needs. The wife should care about the needs of her husband and the needs of her children. You see, it goes both ways on both sides of the street. Hey, we need to stop living for self and, and, and not be contented, not be contented at, at, at just, okay, everything's good in my life, so I'm content. No, no, uh, I, I want to go further than that. I'm not going to be contented until your needs are met. I'm not going to be content until you get what you need and, and you're helped. And until you're okay, I'm not okay. Let's read verses 7 and 8 of chapter 14. Uh, verse 7 verse through verse number 8. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. So that's what matters. I'm not mine. I belong to the Lord. So it does, I need to get rid of this thing of being, we, we as human beings, we are selfish, selfish creatures. Left to our own devices, we are selfish, selfish people. We only think about us, us, us. That's our default setting. When, we, when we're not consciously making ourselves help others and we're not thinking about it, we're going to be selfish. No matter, no matter how spiritually mature you are, you are a selfish person, as I am, because we're human beings. You know what? Uh, for instance, you might get in an argument with your wife, and, and, and you may win the argument. <laughs> win an argument with a wife. That's, that's a fantasy there. Uh, go on. Go on the next one, Brother Brett. Uh, but hey, you might win the argument with your wife, but, but then what? What's next? It's not worth it. It's not worth it. And you know what? It's not even about winning. It's about getting the other person's needs, needs met. If you go into, and we all have scuffles and we all have disagreements. It happens. It happens. In, in a relationship, it's going to happen. But if you go into that with the, with the goal of giving the other person what they need, instead of getting out of it what you need, you're going to see some things start to change. You're going to see the arguments aren't as intense. They're not as frequent. And your relationship is going to get better. If you go into an argument trying to serve yourself, then you're doing nothing but tearing your relationship down. But you need to go into an argument with the mentality of, I'm going into this with the goal of helping the other person and making sure that other person gets what they need. I'm going into this to make sure my wife gets what she needs. I'm going into this to make sure my husband gets what he needs out of this. And that selflessness is going to bring you closer together. It's going to edify each other and build each other up. So we got to stop living for self. We, if we want to be an edifier, we have to start living for other people because we don't belong to ourselves anyway. We belong to the Lord. Whether we die or whether we live, we belong to the Lord. We're His anyway. We don't belong to ourselves. So if we want to have a passion for edification, we have to stop living for ourselves. What else do we have to do to have a passion for edification? We have to realize that the gospel is the real focus. The gospel is a real focus. So we're going to stay in chapter 14 this morning. Let's read verse number 9 of chapter 14. For to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. 
Who in here you've gotten in a political argument at work? I know I have. I've gotten into a debate. We call them debates. And uh, no one actually wins a debate like that. But, you know, say, say you get into a political argument with your buddy at, at work or at the grocery store or, or what, what, what may have you. And you get into this argument and, man, you put this guy down good. Man, you make him look dumb and, and you, you've got all your ducks in a row and you've practiced it of what you would say. And you, 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 you got your bullet points and you're hitting them in this debate and you're getting all, all this out to him. Okay. And let me ask you a question. You may win that debate, but then what? How does that help that person get the gospel? How does, it, how does arguing and debating on something that neither one of you are going to change your stance on, how is that going to help that person receive the gospel? I want you to understand something this morning, Christian. Jesus came to this earth with one single focus, to seek and to save that which was lost. That's it. That's why he came here. Signed, sealed, delivered. That's it. That's why he came. The gospel. To seek and to save that, that which was lost. In 1957, Hank Aaron stepped up to the plate. And Yogi Bear was there as a catcher. And uh, Yogi Bear was ribbing Hank Aaron. And he was saying, hey, you see that writing over there on the wall? Why don't, you, why don't you read that so I can make sure you can read? He was just trying to distract Hank Aaron. It was just, you know, they're ribbing each other, trying to distract him from hitting the ball. So Yogi Bear said, hey, why don't you read that over there? Let me make sure you can read, trying to distract him. Right about that time, Hank Aaron hit that ball and hit a home run and sent it over the, over the back wall. Hank Aaron, in 1957, he jogged around those bases. He came back and he stepped on, on, on home plate. And he looked at Yogi Bear and said, I didn't come here to read. I come here to hit a home run and went back to the dugout. He had one single focus. It wasn't to be distracted. It was to hit a home run and did exactly what he came there to do. Never forget, if you want to be, if you want to be an edifier, you have to always keep in mind the gospel. You can have an argument with someone and take it too far. And then you've lost all hope you have of leading that person to Christ. As a mature Christian, you have to know when to stop. Because once you burn a bridge, that bridge ain't never going to be built back. Then how are you going to have an opportunity to lead that person to the Lord one day? How are you going to have an opportunity to invite that person to church, to share, that to share the gospel with that person? You want to be an edifier. You want to build people up. You always have to have the gospel in mind what's the next thing you have to do to have a passion for edification you have to realize a truth and the truth is that all things will be settled at the judgment seat of christ let's read verse number 10 by wild but but why dost thou judge thy brother or why dost thou say it not thy brother for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of christ how many of you Someone has said something hurtful to you. Someone has hurt you. You've been mistreated and there was never a resolution. You've been mistreated by someone. You've been hurt by someone and that person never apologized. That person is still today. You know that person hates you and, and that person never came to you and never apologized to you and you feel hurt. 
and you feel mistreated and there was never a resolution and you feel incomplete about it. That's happened to everybody. That's happened to me. And when that happens, you've got two choices. Number one, you can get mad about it. You can stay mad about it. You can go to your grave being mad and bitter about it. Or number two, you can say this. You know what? One day there's going to be something called the judgment seat of Christ. And that person is going to stand in front of my God and my Savior. And he's going to be judged according to what he did on this earth. I'm going to give that to Christ. And I'm going to let him handle it. I'm going to go on about my business. I'm not going to let bitterness drag me down. I'm not going to let anger drag me down. I'm going to give it to God. I'm going to give it to Christ. I'm going to give him my burden. I'm going to let him handle it because he can handle it better than I ever could. I'm going to continue on serving God and continue on lifting people up. That's your choice. And what? Because there is going to be a judgment. There is going to be a judgment one day. Not only will you stand before that person, that you stand before Jesus Christ, but that person that wrongs you will stand before Jesus Christ. And you know what? They're going to be judged too. So give, give it to God. Don't stay mad about it. Don't stay bitter about it. You can't be mad and bitter if you want to be an edifier. You got to give it to God and just move on. You want to have a passion for edification next. You have to avoid causing others to stumble. Let's read verse number 13. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Let me read for you 1 Corinthians 8, 8. But meat commendeth us not to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, Neither if we eat not, are we the worse. This is the same issue about the meat. What Paul is saying to the Gentiles is, you may have liberty to do this, but if it's going to offend your Jewish brethren, then you shouldn't do that. Because it doesn't matter to you, but it matters to them. Let me give you, I've, I've given this illustration two or three times since I've been here, but it's such a good illustration to get across the point that I'm trying to make. This bus captain... He got, was working on this teenager, and he, he visited this teenager, and he visited this teenager, and he tried to get this teenager to, to, to ride the bus to church. Finally, the teenager said, okay, yes, I'll come to church, and I'll visit you. So the teenager came, got, off, got on the bus, came to church, got off the bus, walked in the auditorium, uh, sat in the pew in the back, uh, was standing back there, and he had a hat on. The teenager had never been to church in his life, and he had a hat on. And there was a man in that church who was a big wig in the church, gruffly, roughly came over to that teenager, snatched the hat off his head, the hat in the, in the teenager's chest, and said, boy, we don't wear hats in the house of God, and walked off. Let me ask, uh, 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 let me ask this question. Did you think that, do you think that teenager came back to church? No. A teenager never came back to church there. Why? Because this man was pushing his preference on this teenager. Show me in this book. Show me in this book that you can't wear a hat in church. Unless it's an LSU hat that's in there. No, I'm just kidding. I tell you what, I was in here, I was in here a couple weeks ago, and I cracked the LSU joke, and it was like a lead balloon. 
I'm not going to do that again. And uh, so, you know, um, if, if it's, a, you know, it's not in there, it's a preference. So what did he do? What did this man do? Let me tell you what this man probably did. This man probably sent that teenager to hell. Probably did. If that teenager never goes back to church and never has another opportunity to get saved, that man sent him to hell. He wasn't focused on giving somebody the gospel. He was focused on his own little pet peeve. He was focused on his own little preference. I can't stand that. I can't stand somebody who pushes preference over the word of God. I don't care. You give me a chapter and a verse. Can't stand that. But you know, that's what people do. And they cause other people to stumble. Don't push your preferences. There was a church who, uh, you know, the church was vehemently against a Baptist church and they were vehemently against Halloween, like 100% against it, preached against it. And uh, so this, this new family came into the church and they'd been visiting the church a couple of times and, 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 they came, and they were having a bake sale and this family really liked this church and liked the preacher and they came into the church and they brought cookies and it was October. And so she had cookies with, with orange frosting and, and jack-o'-lantern on them. It was nice. They were, they were good, you know, they didn't know. They just, just come in bringing cookies to the church and everybody looked down their noses at them. Because they brought these cookies in the church, and guess what? You know, they could tell it. They were outcast immediately, and they left the church never to come back. Man, you know what? Man, we need to get out of that. We need to get out of this thing of, man, we're pushing our preferences on other people. And, and yeah, yeah, you know what? Uh, yeah, you know, those people, they had a choice to make. That man with the hat, with the teenager, he had a choice to make. Because I can either help this teenager, and I can edify this teenager, and I can build this teenager up, or I can be destructive. And guess what he chose to be? He chose to be destructive. These people that brought these cookies in here, and they said, hey, I can either help these people, edify these people, or I can be destructive to these people. And they chose to be destructive. Don't choose to be destructive. No matter what your preference is, no matter what, no matter what you think one way or the other, hey, don't, 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 don't live to cause drama. Don't live to just cause, life is not a soap opera. We're not here to cause drama. We're not here to offend people. We're not here to harm people. We're here to get along. We're here to have harmony. When I have a passion for edification, next you need to build, not only need to build people up, but you need to build them strongly. Let's look at verse number 19. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace. Uh-oh, let me read that again. Let us therefore follow after things which make for peace and the things wherewith one may edify one another. It says we're, be, we're to be looking for ways to edify. We're to be looking for ways to build people up. Every day, husband, you should look for a way to build up your wife. Every single day, you need to find a way to build up your wife. Wife, every single day, you need to find a way to build up your husband. Maybe there's an usher in the church. We need to find a way to build that usher up. Maybe there's a teenager that comes in here. 
Uh, maybe it's not your teenager. Maybe it's somebody else's teenager. But every time you see that teenager, you need to have one goal in mind. I want to build that teenager up. What can I say to that teenager to encourage him or her? What can I say to them to encourage them? What can I say to them to help them? What can I say to edify them? Well, I ain't seen you in a while. Where you been? Is that edifying? Man, what, what, what are we going to say? We're going to let them know, hey, you ain't been in church, and I'm going to let you know it. You know what? Maybe instead we say something good. How'd the football game go? How's school going? I saw your friend the other day. How's he doing? Always think of ways to build people up, not tear them down. There was a North Carolina coach. His name's Dean Smith. He made a rule in his basketball team. He called it the Bobby Jones rule. And the, what the rule was is that every time somebody made a shot, Instead of, instead of celebrating and everybody look at me, look what I did, whooping and hollering over the goal, the rule was when somebody made a shot, they immediately point to the passer. Point to the person who passed in the ball. And that's the Bobby Jones rule. And it's a good rule. How in the world could that person make that shot if the passer didn't pass in the ball? So they point to the passer. Now, let me tell you something. That's something we need to do today. Uh, because let me tell you something. You're not doing what you're doing today unless somebody helped you do it. Husband, when you go to work and you get that promotion or you get that raise and you get that victory, you know who you need to point back to? You don't need to point to yourself. You need to point to your wife back at home who she's working and she's helping support your house or, and she is there helping you keep the kids so you can go to work. You wouldn't have been able to do it without her. Teenager, when you pass the test, when you make the grade, and you get into that college, don't point to yourself, point back to mom and dad, because there's a passer, because you wouldn't have the ball unless they passed you the ball. That's what we need to do today. We need to build strongly. Very quickly, I'm gonna finish this, finish this message. Number two, you must have a priority for edification, a priority for edification. Let's read verse number 21. It is good neither to eat flesh nor to drink wine or anything whereby this thy brother stumbleth or is offended or is made weak. In order to have a priority for edification, we must live without offense. The goal of grace is not to do what you may be free to do. The goal of grace is for you not to offend others. That's the goal. The goal of grace is not to do what we may be free to do, but not to offend others. Grace is not a license for you to do what you want to do. Grace is not a license to live how I want to live, God forbid. That's not the goal of grace. If we offend another Christian, especially a baby Christian, you know how hard it is to get them back? You know how hard it is to, to get them back? You have to understand every action has a ripple effect. Somebody sees you get drunk, then I say, oh, well, such and such got drunk. He's down there at that church. If he can do it, I can do it. Or, you know, uh, you, you go off on a triad and cuss someone out. 
in town and they see and it gets back, oh, so-and-so, look what they did. If they did that, well, then I don't want none of that. Or, or if they can do it, I can do it. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Everything you do causes ripples in the lake. You have to live without offense. You have to be careful not to offend others, not to commit offenses. Number two is you have to live with faith. Let's read verse number 22 and 23. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not him, himself in that thing which he alloweth. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. We have to live with faith. That, verse, that, that phrase of verse 22, it says, condemneth not yourself. If you're being convicted by God on a regular basis, then that's not good. Because that's the Holy Spirit telling you that you're messing up. That's the Holy Spirit telling you that you're doing wrong. If you say a crossword to your wife and the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you and says, hey, you know what? That, that's not what a Christian should say. You shouldn't say that. You can't say that word in good faith. Man, how many of us have done that? How many of us has let something slip? Not even a cuss word, maybe just uh, something you know you shouldn't have said. And immediately the Holy Spirit hits you and is like, what are you doing? You can't say that. You're a Christian. You can't say that in good faith. You can't gossip like that in good faith. You're a Christian. Or maybe there's a gray area and you don't know what you should do. On the one hand, you know you, need, you probably shouldn't say anything because if you say something and it hurts somebody, then it's gossip. But on the other hand, you think the person needs to, needs to know the information and you're on either side and you don't know what to do. Ask yourself that question. What can I do in good faith? And what you might find out, well, you know what, maybe that person really doesn't need to know. Maybe in good faith I can't gossip or I can't say anything bad to hurt someone. Man, whatever you say, say in good faith. 1 Corinthians 8, 7, Howbeit there is not in every man that knowledge, for some with conscience of idol, unto this hour eat it as a thing offered unto an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. What, 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 what in the world what did he just say? Here's what he's saying in that verse. If it was wrong for them to eat this meat, then their conscience becomes defiled. Why? Because the Holy Spirit would have convicted them. If it was really wrong for them to eat this meat, then the Holy Spirit's going to get after them, and the Holy Spirit's going to convict them. And if they ignore that, then their conscience is seared anyway. Their conscience is already defiled, so don't even worry about it, is what he's saying. He said, you, you don't, you, you, and once again, he's saying, give it to God. Let the Holy Spirit convict them. You're not the Holy Spirit. You're not the judge. You let Jesus be the judge and you let the Holy Spirit do the convicting because the Holy Spirit's going to do it. Number three, moving right along, you have, must have a perfection of edification. Uh, run out of time, but I really want you to see these verses. Please turn to Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four. I got three verses real quick that I want you to see. We're going to read them. And this is my last point this morning. Get out of here just very soon. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to start reading of verse number 11. Verse number 11. While you're turning to Ephesians 4.11, we, we, we must have a passion for edification. We must have a priority for edification. And number three, we must have a perfection 
of edification. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, perfection. When you see the word perfection in the Bible, 99% of the time, unless it's talking about Jesus Christ, the word perfection in the Bible means mature or complete. So when I say mature, when I say perfection of edification, I'm talking about maturity of edification, okay? Ephesians 4.11 says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. The first thing we need to have if we, have, if we want to have perfection or maturity of, of edification is we have to have teachers of edification. Now, Jesus, had, gave us some, Jesus gave us these teachers, but we don't have all of these today. All right? For instance, the apostles. Okay, the apostles are temporary to the first century. Okay, because the definition of an apostle, it says apostles are eyewitnesses of Christ. They are eyewitnesses of Christ. Okay, uh, today we got churches that say, oh, we got apostles so-and-so over our church in Texas. No, they don't. Okay, it's not an apostle. Okay, because he's not an eyewitness of Jesus Christ. Those were exclusive to the first century. They're not alive today. We don't have apostles anymore. Next, we have, this says prophets. Okay, prophets gave revelatory messages uh, to the church. You see, now I have a complete Bible. I have a complete Bible. I have the whole counsel of God. So we, don't, we, we no longer have need for new revelations from the Scripture because our Scripture is complete. When that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. Okay, so we have the complete Word of God. We don't have the Bible plus what Prophet Joe said. We don't have the Bible plus the Book of Mormon. We don't have the Bible plus Watchtower. We don't, we don't need anything to add anything to this. The Word of God is complete, so we have no need for more needs for apostles. We have no more needs for, for, for prophets. Okay, but the other three, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, those are terms we do know. Those are positions, teachers of edification that we do have. Well, let's take, the first, let's take pastor, for example, because I'm standing here, I'm your pastor. Acts 20, 28. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy, Ghost ha the Holy Ghost made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. There in Acts chapter, uh, in Acts chapter 20, you see that the pastor is an overseer. That's what the pastor is. Now, of course, when it says the church, the church isn't talking about these four walls. These four walls are not the church. The church is us. We are the church. The people of God are the church. What is my job? My job is to spiritually feed you. My job is to take this Bible and feed you with it. That's my job as a pastor is to do that. Hebrews 13 says that my job is to watch for your souls. That's, the, that's my job as a pastor. As authority in this church, I am to watch for your souls. If I admonish you toward the Holy Spirit lays on my heart to admonish you towards missions, and that's the, that's the direction I take you, then we need to go in that direction. If the Holy Spirit uh, lays on my heart that we need to admonish you towards stewardship, then that is the direction that God wants us to go in. Why? I'll tell you why in just a minute. We should move toward that. 
Okay, so it's my job as and we have teachers in here. You have the same job. Sometimes we have evangelists come here. That's the same job, too, is we are to push or we are to feed the flock of God. So first we have teachers of edification and then we have a testimony of edification. Ephesians 4.12, for the perfecting of the saints and for the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ. You know why? God put pastors and teachers and evangelists here to feed you or to feed us. You know why? Because God wants us to grow. And the only way we're going to grow is if we get fed. And he wants us to grow so we can lead others. He wants us to grow so we can disciple others. And that's why the Lord has put these teachers of edification in place in order to feed us so we can grow. Because if we grow, then we'll start lifting up other people. Then we'll start edifying other people. Then we'll start leading uh, Joe Blow to Christ. And we'll start discipling this family that comes to church. And that's the reason why these teachers of edification feed us so that we can have a testimony of edification, of edification and help others to grow and bring others to Christ. Ephesians 4.13, Till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You know what edifying each other and building each other up will do? It will make us one unit, all in one accord. The word of God will become more plain to us and we will all mature and grow in Christ. And when we build each other up, we become more than just Christians going to the same church. We become a family and when you call somebody brother so-and-so you're not saying it just because you're in church a church house you actually mean it when you call somebody brother in church you mean you're my brother I'll do anything for you and when you say somebody's a sister in church you actually mean it they're my sibling they're like my family and that's what we need to be we need to be edifying and if we do that we'll be drawn together Number one, we need to have a passion for edification. What does that mean? It means we need to live peaceably with others. Don't seek drama. Seek peace. We need to have a priority for edification. Live without offense. Don't, don't, don't be offended and try not to offend others. Don't be destructive. Be edifying. Build each other up. And then we need to have a perfection or a maturing of edification and then we get that through the process of hearing and applying the word of god john 10 10 the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy i am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly all the devil knows how to do is destroy he doesn't know anything else but jesus Jesus came to give life. You have a choice today. You're either going to be a destroyer or you're going to be an edifier. Choice is yours. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We're about to have an invitation. In just a minute, I'm going to pray. And when I get done praying, we're going to stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. The music will begin to play. The altar will be open. Whatever you decide to do, whether you decide to come and use this altar or stay in your pew, as always, I ask that whatever you do, you decide to do business with God. And uh, I pray today that we decide that we are not going to be destroyers. 
We're going to be builders. We're going to be edifiers. And we're going to edify one another. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for all you've done for us. Help us, Lord. Lord, we want this church to be a church of edifiers. We want this church to be a church of builders. Help us, Lord. Because, Lord, if we do that, and man, we have a passion for it, and we'll begin to get fed, and we'll spiritually mature, and as we edify one another, it'll just draw, draw us closer together and make us stronger. Help us to be edifiers today. For as is in Jesus Christ's precious name, I pray. Amen. Please stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. As the music begins to play, our invitation will begin. You do whatever the Lord has laid on your heart. Spend some, spend some time with God in prayer right now. Ask Him to make you an edifier. <laughs>